This podcast was recorded in November 2019. While the world looks a lot different today, we believe this content remains valuable for helping organizations move forward. You hear a lot about the cloud these days, and increasingly, you hear of companies that are putting major business operations in the cloud, such as finance and HR. What does all this change mean for the leaders of information systems and IT? I'm Mary Hayes Weir from Workday. Today, we will learn more about that in our conversation with Andy Robertson, head of information systems at Alpha. Alpha produces the software that asset finance companies need to manage both high-volume transactions and complex leases and loans in any region, language, and currency. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. I wanted to start by learning a bit more about Alpha. Can you tell us what the organization does and it's a little bit more about its global operations? You touched on it in your intro. We develop software, but what we also do is we implement that software for our clients. Uh, that software manages financial transactions, anything from a car when you go to a showroom all the way up to an oil rig. So our customers span both banks who have the money to finance those assets and manufacturers who want to shift more assets and provide finance as a sales aid. And there's a lot of that needed, isn't there? <laughs> and in terms of the business size, talk us through that and how it developed. So the company was founded back in 1990 and has grown to around just over 300 employees at the moment. So it's been very steady growth. I guess I sometimes describe the company as a fintech before fintech was really a thing. And it's where we've been for a long time. So we're very well established in the industry. We were headquartered in London and that's where we originate from, but we've grown with our customer base overseas. So we now service a number of customers across Europe and in recent years, our major successes have been in the US. So with a growing global footprint and an IPO in 2017, uh, Alpha is going through a lot of change. Can you tell our audience about the challenges facing the business and why this required transformation for both your HR and finance systems? Of course. I think the IPO didn't really change our ability to deliver operationally. It had very low impact on the work that we were doing for our clients. We could continue that at the very high standards that we've set. Where the IPO impacted the organization was within those back office operations around HR and finance. Like a lot of software companies, we'd focus very much on our customers and not on our internal software capabilities. And so when I took over my role in 2015, we were very much hand to mouth in terms of how we were operating with our systems. And like a lot of people out there, we were papering over the gaps with spreadsheets. So the IPO was a fantastic exercise for us because it brought to light the areas that we needed to focus on. So once we'd got through that transaction and come up for air at the end of that process, we were able to see that actually what we needed to do on a monthly basis wasn't really maintainable on a long-term basis. And that's when we shifted our focus and realized that actually we wanted to focus our efforts on implementing a new ERP system. And what was it about the IPO experience that made you realize that? The way that I've described it to people in transitioning from a private organization to a publicly listed organization was that we were taking the processes that we were taking over nine months to complete. And all of a sudden we were shifting those to having to be completed within three weeks on a monthly recurring basis. So not only was the volume of reporting that we were having to do 
increasing dramatically, but also the period over which we were reporting all of a sudden shortened dramatically. And the combination of those two factors and the amount of time it took us to bring our headcount up to scratch with it within finance to support that change uh, was where the pressure was really felt. I think every head of IS or IT would love to shift to a more automated model, but there's a lot of associated compliance and auditing requirements. How did you think about that when picking your new finance and HR software? We're in the fortunate position where if you looked at the underlying financial transactions going through our business, so the supplier invoices that we were processing and the customer invoices that we were raising, there wasn't a huge amount of specialization in what we were doing. So what we were looking for when we went out to implement a new system was real standardization and being able to adopt best practice from an industry leader. So we went with a very clean sheet of paper and were happily led by the Workday implementation consultants on how we should process a supplier invoice and how we should raise a customer invoice. And in terms of customization, there was very little that we put in place during the course of that process. We were able to take the configuration out of the box to a very large extent and then Once we'd followed that, underlying all of those transactions was the rich audit trail that you get within Workday. So when I now have audit requests around the history around certain transactions, it's a very straightforward exercise for me to point to the relevant screens, reports, attachments, etc. within the system, rather than having to scrabble around paper trails and filing cabinets and files. So We have new team members who suffer the pain of of going through an audit, but then I kindly remind them about how bad things used to be Mm -hmm. only two or three years ago. So what do you think about this idea of having HR and finance in one system? Do you see the inherent benefits of that? Have you realized it so far? I would say that our initial implementation, which was just core HCM and financials, um, had a limited impact within the organization which was to our benefit because it enabled us to roll out the change more quickly because we had a smaller user base to contend with. And so it's enabled us over the last 12 months since we've gone live to bed down with the system and get used to living with with Workday, an enterprise application in our own company. Where things will really shift for us is over the course of the next 24 months. So we're looking to implement PSA, which involves time tracking and the timesheets that every employee needs to submit on a weekly basis. And we're looking to enhance the HCM aspects with putting in talent management and performance reviews. So we're expecting a huge amount of adoption to increase over the next 12 months. I wanted to ask you about moving to the cloud. It always sounds like a no-brainer, but it's still a cultural shift for many businesses to move their finance and HR tools into the cloud. Did you experience any of that? And if so, how do you get others comfortable with the change? One advantage we had is that we are a technology company. So the executive, the information security, the technical operations teams didn't need to be convinced of the need to change. They weren't beholden to any of our legacy systems. In fact, one of the key drivers for this project or this whole program of work where we're implementing Workday across the organization was the push to move off legacy platforms. We'd fallen foul to the old hazard that a lot of software companies come where they will just develop small tools in-house to solve certain problems, and then the employees that have developed them move on, and you're left with a patchwork of legacy applications. So there's been a huge amount of positive support that I've got working through this Workday implementation from across the organization to move onto a standardized platform. 
And I can imagine moving off old paperwork processes has been really helpful for lots of people. I think in terms of increasing efficiency, uh, we've seen that massively within the finance team. Um, we're able to onboard people so much more quickly within the finance team because the system is intuitive. We've got it set up in a very intuitive and straightforward and logical way. And so we don't need to send people on long training courses or to sit with them for a long period of time to get them up to speed with processes. Within the first week, we can have them entering supplier invoices and raising customer invoices. And you talk about a lot of companies being saddled with legacy tools. Given your size, you're what would be classified as a medium enterprise company. I guess medium enterprise companies have a little bit more of an advantage because they don't have to deal with that legacy tool situation. I think medium enterprise still do. I think the advantage they've got is they might be less attached to them and the ability to move off without moving historic data becomes easier. Um, The company's approaching 30 years old, so there is a lot of legacy data knocking around within various systems that people have got used to being there. So the approach that we're taking when we roll out these new operational features within Workday is we're not going to bring any of that legacy data. We're not going to take the effort to map it into Workday structures. And on day one, we will just freeze those applications and ensure that that legacy data is there for historic purposes if need be. And then once we're live and people have seen the the light, the new way, the Workday way of working, we'll then go back and look at how we archive those legacy systems Um, for audit requirements and GDPR and various other data retention policy challenges that we'll have to take on. Given you're a professional services business, managing employee time and ensuring it's accurately reported is is obviously crucial. How has it changed since you moved to Workday? So we've done phase one, we're on phase two, and phase two is where we look at that professional services piece. So that is where we're going to take the time tracking out of our legacy systems and move it into Workday. Um, and that it sees us get very close to the end goal that we had when we set out on our Workday journey about having all the data that we needed within one system. That is going to be a huge shift for, for our organisation. And I think it's going to take us a while to adapt to having everything in one place. But Both today at Rising, seeing the various new pieces of functionality coming into play um, has given me some headspace to think about how we can take advantage of that within our company. Now that you're actually live with Workday, do you have any examples of processes that you've been able to automate and where you have visibility of data and where you previously didn't? I think there's a couple of key ones, predominantly in the finance area. Maybe I'm just biased because that's where I've worked most. I think the level of audit trail that we have around the payment of supplier invoices, um, it has seen us move from a very much paper-based and manual process to a much more audited and automated process. Um, And so that's been a big green tick from an audit perspective. The other area I think where we've got a lot of benefit is the visibility that is happening in our subsidiaries. So our subsidiaries currently are on a different platform, but the ability to load their financial movements into Workday and automatically run a consolidation was a huge gain for us from our first implementation um, and was a a real driver that we were focused on during that that first go live. So I've mentioned that we go live with PSA at the beginning of the year, but then our programme for next year is 
It's primarily driven by adaptive planning. So this brings phase three into play um, and is, is the final one on our primary roadmap of what we wanted to get out of our workday investment because that gives us a full life cycle view of our financial transactions. By putting a planning in, it's not just going to be a financial planning tool, it's going to be a headcount planning tool. And that's when we start to bring HR and finance together, along with our project managers around the resource that they need on their projects to deliver. Alongside putting in a planning tool, we're going to put in procurement. Um, and that gives us the nice idea of a manager of a cost centre having to put together a forecast that gets crystallised into a budget that then they can draw down spend against. Um, and then when they get to forecast again, they're much closer to the spend that's been going through their cost centre. Other key areas that we're looking to do uh, next year include increasing our level of recruiting and onboarding so that people get more hands-on with Workday earlier in their employment at Alpha. And I think the biggest cultural shift will be when we put in talent management. It gives us a real opportunity to review how we assess the performance of our employees and provide feedback to them in a timely manner. You mentioned adaptive planning, adaptive insights planning? That's correct, yeah. That's fantastic to hear. And we've been talking a lot about planning here at Workday Rising and just in general, the importance of agility in, in mm. business planning. And, and what's your take on all that and the idea of being more of an agile company and, and using planning to get there? I mean, Adaptive is a company that we've had a relationship for a number of years oh. and we've looked at it previously but never quite had the capacity or the bandwidth to, to get it in place properly within the organization. So when it was announced that Workday had purchased Adaptive, it was a great bonus for us, and we could easily put it on our roadmap. I think we've benefited from having allowed Adaptive 18 months to integrate more closely within Workday. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that project next year because I think we'll have a level of maturity within the organization about how we're using these information systems. And then we can start to sell within the senior leadership and the executive this idea of actually, rather than relying on gut instinct, we can give you in a timely fashion much more insightful data. I think the challenge that we have had historically, certainly with the volume of manual processes is, that yes, we can answer the questions as they come in, but it takes us too long for that answer to then be relevant to the discussion that is ongoing. Exactly. That's great to hear. You know, we talk about that when we hear customers recognize it and know that that's a real pain point for you. So I wanted to ask you about skills. You know, we're entering a world where tech and automation will change the way we think about work. How's your business thinking about the skills and talent it needs for the future? We've always taken an approach where we need to invest heavily in the people that we employ. Historically, we had a very strong focus on graduate recruitment. We realized that we worked in a niche industry and it was going to be difficult to recruit people with the necessary skills. So we've long held the belief that actually we'll have a significant investment in an induction process within the company and give people the skills that they need. I think when we replatformed the application as well, I think that gave us the opportunity to access a much larger pool of resource. I think the skills that we're looking for in our developers um, are more readily available now. However, it is an incredibly challenging market to get the right people with the right skill set. Overall, however, I think when I joined the company uh, nearly 20 years ago now, what sold it to me was 
the approach that I was told around how we want to bring people in. We want to recruit bright people and give them challenging things to do. And really, that hasn't changed. So what about IT talent? What do you think will be the most important skills in the future? I don't think it will be language-specific skills. I think it will be the ability for people to understand what technology can do and how to adapt it to the, the problem that they're faced with. I think technology is no longer the limiting factor in what you can do. It's much more about your imagination and actually solving the right problem. You can write technology that does amazing things, but if it's not addressing a need, then that's to some extent wasted effort. So having people with the vision uh, and the foresight to understand the challenges that you want to take on and then being able to pivot as things change is where need, people need to focus. And a lot of that is people skills or even just awareness and observational skills, I would imagine. Completely, yeah. I think um, that's quite often looked over when, when you're in your recruiting, but it's a big part of our recruitment process is the ability to communicate, not just the quality of, of what you can deliver. So I'm going to end with one last question. What do you think will be the top two or three issues that information systems leaders are going to be dealing with over the next 10 years? I think one of the main ones is the point that is addressed very heavily by Workday, which is the power of one. I think if your systems aren't talking to each other, then actually that just will perpetuate a number of challenges. And yes, there's solutions out there to paper over the cracks, but there's only so long that they can hold and they don't support growth particularly well. So, so that's the main one from where I'm sat at the moment. I've talked about the three main phases that we're focused on, but I still don't see that being the end of our systems consolidation. I haven't even touched on topics around payroll and expenses and other systems that we have in our landscape that aren't on Workday yet. So I think that for me, that's the main area is consolidation. Great, well, thank you. And it's good to hear that the power of one is working for you. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I wanna to thank Andy Robertson from Alpha for joining us today at the Workday Podcast. Thank you, Andy. Thanks a lot, it's been great to speak to you. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm Mary Hayes Weir, and thanks for listening.